in the light of his glory and grace. Would y'all pray with me? May we look to you, Jesus. May we look to you as a as a youth or someone in high school and maybe struggling with a peer group or struggling with what the polls or someone graduating just recently from college and trying to find a job, newly married as they take a step into the, the blessing of marriage, but, but also the challenges, may they look to you as those who've been married and growing families and kids and those challenges, may we look to you just in all of life, in our, in our families, in our church family with the challenges, in our, our jobs, in, in the peaks and in the valleys. Keep us focused on you. Thank you for your church that was created to be a family that keeps one another focused on you, Jesus. And I pray today, no matter where somebody's coming from, what physical state, what emotional state, that right now we would look to you and you would speak to us in a mighty way. Thank you, Jesus. We love you in your name. Amen. Y'all may take a seat and take your Bibles. If you have a Bible, if you don't, there's a table stacked full of Bibles. You can take one now. You can take one home. And please turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 13 through 16. But before we do, uh, uh, we're in a summer series that we call Ask Anything. And that we have asked y'all to ask us anything. And we will do our best uh, to answer from God's Word. And sometimes we'll wrestle with things throughout this summer. So we're taking questions each and every Sunday. Uh, This Sunday, our question, and it was the same one we had last Sunday, so this is part two, but it's what is discipleship and how can we do it better as a church? Now, that's a very general question. It is a very uh, kind of churchy question. You might think of it as a Sunday school question, but it's arguably there's no more greater question uh, for our lives because the short version of that, what is discipleship, is growing in Christ. Now, I could say, you know, that's the answer, have an early lunch, but, but we are going to unpack that uh, because it is so important for us that uh, it is, you know, well, how can a church help one another, help you grow in Christ? And let me say this, that this sermon, uh, probably more than many that I preached, is really woven into uh, the sermon from last week. And so it's kind of one sermon, so I'm going to hit some things that I talked about last week today. Uh, but before we do that, let's, uh, let's look at the scripture passage, Matthew 5, and it is verse 13 through 16. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So today in this passage, I'm focusing on the light aspect, how we can be light to the world, because that's really what discipleship is. And we come in and we gather, whether here or in a group, and we go into the world, and Jesus not only calls us, He tells us, you can be, you are the light of the world. But I would say that the light comes from the salt. That the only way we can be light is if we have the salt in us. Now, what is salt? We hit on that last week. You may have heard teaching that says, well, the salt is, uh, as salt is like a preservative, uh, so we as Christians, as followers of Christ, should preserve what's good in the world. Uh, or salt adds flavor uh, to things, so as Christians, uh, we should you know, add flavor to life, to society, to uh, culture. Uh, or salt you know, makes you thirsty, so as Christians, People should see us and they say, you know, what, what do they have? And it should make others thirsty for the good news of Jesus Christ. Or even salt is white. So, you know, white can mean like purity. So as, as Christians, we should live pure lives. You, you may have heard some or all of those on this passage. I think all of those have its place. But what I talked about last week and what is probably most important is that the salt, and I define it this way, Jesus is talking about, is breathing or inhaling the Holy Spirit, where He comes into your life and works on your heart, and you uh, submit to the Holy Spirit, and you're obedient to the Holy Spirit, and you want to follow the Holy Spirit, and He transforms us from the inside out so that we can be light to a world in need of light. Let me say that again. I believe Jesus uses salt first. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming in. So we're inhaling, literally, breathing Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the breath. The Holy Spirit, where He comes into our hearts and our lives, and He transforms us. There has to be transformation. And then we are light to a world in need. But we got a problem. Because it's easier said than done. And the problem for many of us, myself included, many of us Christians, is that we really don't allow that transformation to take place. And what we do is... We say, hey, well, I, I know the things of God's Word. And, hey, I know what Jesus says. And even we might say, hey, I believe what Jesus says. And I believe the Bible. But we don't live what Jesus says or asks of us. And we are not transformed. And we're not truly light to the world. You're like, well, what do you mean? You know, how, how is that? Well, it's easy. Many of us Christians are no different than non-Christians. I mean, we don't live really any different. We say, hey, I know. Hey, I believe. Hey, I got it. And I got the shot of salvation. But our lives aren't any different. And I believe this is what Jesus is talking about when He says, further on in verse 13, the salt has lost its saltiness. So, you're like, well, how are we no different? Well, you know, you could say, well... You know, I know what the Bible says about like money, and I know I should really give to Jesus and you know be good stewards. But I'll give as long as I can kind of live the the most pleasurable life that is possible for me to live. Uh, or 
you know, how we view marriage. That, you know, we honor marriage, and, but then if it, if it gets a little rough, we'll say, hey, I know what the Bible says about Hey, I want a divorce, okay? As a Christian. Or we know what it says uh, about lust and, you know, things of that nature. But, as I talked about last week, when does porn shoot sky high out of hotels? During pastor's conferences, okay? And I won't go to pastor's conferences. I told you all that, okay? No, but seriously, that's true. During pastor's conferences. And so when the world looks at Christians and the church, they're like, they ain't much different. I mean, they say they know, and they say they believe it. I don't, I don't see a lot of things that are different. And, you know, we want the world to say, like, man, they figured something out. I mean, they, got, they got something right. But then they see us, and they see, and I didn't even mention, like, you know, Christians, you know, bickering towards one another, arguing with one another, fights, church fights, or outside church fights, or even Christians suing one another which is all very, very common. And then the world sees us, and Jesus would say, you've lost your saltiness. Now, I, I talked last week, I, I talked about five things that can really uh, hinder us in our discipleship, in our growth with Christ, and can cause us to be, what I just talked about, really like masters of information and belief, and not masters of life. So there are things that, that I think that, that can cause this. And again, hold us back from growing in Christ. And I'm going to go through them again real quick. Because I, I do think they were very important. I'd love for you all to know them. I mean, you can jot down. And you may hit one of these or maybe all five. But I do think these are things that really hold us back from growing in Christ. The first is width over depth. We value width over depth. I'm not talking about people here. I'm talking about like information again. Like, like we can really want to know and, and really, you know, like wrestle with the big questions of faith or what the Bible says and not be obedient in fewer things. Like, I, I know a dude and he's like, man, I just love, you know, talking and learning about, you know, the sovereignty of God and how Romans 8.28 applies. You know, God works all things together for good. So he works cancer for good or you know, he works conflict for good, or he works divorce for good. I just love, you know, thinking about that. And, you know, this dude gets drunk a lot. And I want to say, like, you know, hey, why don't you stop thinking about that and, like, just don't get drunk, you know? Can, is, it, is it that tough? You know, just being obedient with little things. We just want to know everything. Or, you know, once saved, always saved. You know, what was that mean? You know, same dude. Don't get drunk, you know? Just simple. Or is this, simple, or is this more complicated? We value, like, the more information versus just depth in obedience and accountability. That holds us back. Second thing I talked about last week, disintegration of community. And I talked about where even in Mississippi, you know, we are becoming a back porch culture instead of a front porch culture. You know, front porch culture, you know, your neighborhoods and it's like the community. But more and more people, it's like, let's circle the wagons. You know, I mean, it's us. And it's more individualistic. You know, it's more about me and mine. And this really hurts us in the church because we need one another. I mean, we need one another to grow. It's why, you know, in God's you know, plan and wisdom, created the church. It's not just about, you know, your individual devotional time with God. You need the church. And we need one another. I talked about two things, encouragement and rebuke. Now, one of those sounds really good. The other one, 
not so much. But we need to be encouraged. You know, when times are tough, we're in the valley, we need people to encourage us. And, and we know, hey, he or she loves me. And they're not just saying that to make me feel better or make themselves look good. I mean, they really want to encourage my life. And then we also need people to call us out when we err, which I would say is rebuke. And the only way that we really receive that, and you know, I don't know about you, but I don't really receive rebukes that well, is if we know someone you know, really loves us. You may be like me, as in like if someone calls you out, you know, Jesus talks about the speck in our eye, you know, you know it's like we want to say, you know, I appreciate you noticing, you know, that speck in my eye, really appreciate it. Now, you know, let me, let me get down to, you know, the, you know, the, the 20,000 like log cabin, you know, in your own, and that's the way I feel, and you know, we're going to call a brother or sister out, you know, you say that about me, but. Look what you got in your life. And the only way we can really receive that is if we are in authentic, real community. And I believe in church on a Sunday morning, but also in groups and smaller groups. And we know a brother or sister loves us, and they gently rebuke us. Another thing that holds us back is, uh, I talked about the lack of submission to authority. I'd be careful with that, because I know that, you know that doesn't sound too good either, but what I talked about last week is that, you know, we really just kind of create or build, you know, the church of me. So we'll be like, you know, I, you know, I kind of like this, this church. I like worship here. I like teaching here. And I like the way this church does a mission trip. No, I like this group, although I'm not really a part of this church. And, I mean, we treat Big C Church like a buffet. And so we just kind of go and float around, you know, wherever it makes us feel best. And it's rare and rare we saw Miss Dorothy Daniels to join it's rare to see someone say, hey, I really want to join here, and I'm going to invest here, and I'm going to serve here, and I'm going to grow here. And This is home base. I mean, I go out in the world, but this is home base and putting all my chips in this basket. It's rare and rare. Instead, what you see more and more of is, you know, a lot of folks just, just kind of hang out at a lot of different churches. That holds us back. And that's not the way church was meant to be. Instead, church was meant to be Hey, I am going to commit and invest. And I know there's going to be a group of leaders, a group of leaders who will love me and grow with me. And we'll grow, we'll grow old together. And God willing, wiser together. And they will call me out in a gentle way if I go off. That's what, that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for us. Fourth thing, real quick, is we overemphasize the light. And let me highlight the over in overemphasize. Uh, light, I talked about last week, light attracts. Jesus here, light attracts. And the church can often focus on being the light. So it's all about attracting. So that means, like, let's get the most people we can in the seats. So everything we do is focused on being the light, attract them in. Let's get bodies in the seats or pews. And so that means we've got to have a good kids program. Uh, that means we've got to have a good youth program. We've got to have a cool youth room to hang out with. Uh, you know, we got lights, you know, good worship, all of that. Last week I talked about mist. Joseph corrected me. It's not really mist. It's fog. Sorry about that. You know, so no H2O. Thank you, Joseph, you see. Uh, but no fog. You know, not a big fan of fog. But, you know, whatever it does, you know, the experience. And just, if y'all were here, Easter. Let's do Easter. Let's hit Easter every Sunday. Just emotional experience. You know, and jack people up and attract them in. And, again, all that is good. 
We got lights. We got a cool youth space. We got to have a good family ministry. And we're, we're growing those things. But the over part of overemphasize, and when that's all you focus on, you don't ask the question, hey, is, are any lives being transformed here? You know, seriously. I mean, is anybody being transformed? I mean, is the Holy Spirit working on us? Working on people? And really, if that's not the most important question, why are we, why are we doing all these bells and whistles? We're just like either, I don't know, just some religious show or rally or, you know. I mean, is the Holy Spirit changing hearts? So again, the over part, when you overemphasize, it holds us back. And then last, we are built on speed. I mean, we want it now. We want, you know, to go out to eat for dinner. You know, we had to wait 10 minutes the other night, Friday. I was like, oh, good grief, you know, what, what is going on here? And, uh, I mean, I don't know if y'all are like that. Patience, is, it's, a, you know, it's not just a virtue, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's one, you know, I'm growing into, it's discipleship. But we want it now. And uh, discipleship, is, it's like a crawl. Uh, for individuals and, and, and for a church, too. It's a crawl. So how often or how many times or ha- has it happened to y'all where, you know, you've gone to a group, like, man, you know, I'm going to really commit, and, uh, or a, a church or a group or whatever it is, and then six weeks later it's like, eh, you know, it's okay. I mean, we sit around, you know, talk about life and some scripture, but, you know, no bells and whistles again. And, uh, you know, we... We go and, you know, they make us turn off the TV so I can't even see it in the background, the game that's on at the time. So, you know, I'm like, what am I doing here? And we give up on a group or on a church because we want it now. And discipleship doesn't happen overnight. So those are things that hold us back. And now we, I think all churches, but we at Bellwether, we face this challenge because we also live in this culture where we, you know, Brothers and sisters, we're like, hey man, you want me to grow in Christ? Okay, I want a plan. You know, give me a plan, preacher man. Give me a plan. You know, we're action-oriented, you know, red-blooded Americans. Give us a plan to grow. You know, grow this deal, my life, in Christ. And that's challenging because it doesn't always happen that way. However, we at Bellwether, we, we literally thought and prayed. We, we came up with a plan. Uh, some of y'all have heard this. Uh, we hadn't talked about it or preached about it in a while, but we're going to bring it back uh, in August, doing a series on it. We called it RAISE. It'll be up on screen, RAISE, tied to our mission statement of raising leaders who raise families, who raise the kingdom. And each letter represented an aspect that would help us grow. So R would be rise with God, and we talk about that as our, our daily devotion time. A, affirm your family, you know, be with your family, grow your individual family, be part of this family as a church, invest in a church, serve here, grow here, share in a group. I mean, I'd love if you just needed this on Sunday mornings, but you need a smaller group. E, engage the world, so be out on mission. And we said, and I still believe, like, you do these five things, you're going to grow in Christ. You are. However, here's the challenge part. You're like, hey, I want to plan. But if it is not, this is the most important part right here. And it may, it may not be colorful, it may be dry. This is the most important part. If it is not Holy Spirit led, if you are not, like I said at the beginning, breathing in, inhaling the Holy Spirit where He is speaking to you and you're being obedient and He is transforming your life, then all that stuff, it's just mechanical. It's just a to-do list. It's just a check the box. I, I, I got to do my devotion time. I got to... 
Here's my reading plan. I got to read the scripture real quick before work or before I work out. Oh, yeah, I got to go to group again because, you know, I guess it's kind of important. I got a few friends in there. So, or, um, you know, I got to serve at church. So I got to start, show up early and do that. If it is not led by the Holy Spirit, if he is, I mean, if you're not like really intentionally seeking him, the Holy Spirit, then it's just, it's just mechanics. It, it is just a to-do list. And it's going to be, it's going to be dry. It's going to fall short. So let me contrast that with a couple ways to grow. To grow. You're like, what is discipleship? How can we do it better as a church? So here's, here's the how we can do it better as a church. And the interesting part is everything I'm going to say uh, will not happen here, like on Sunday mornings. I mean, I love you all being here. I want you here. I want you to invite folks. But discipleship, I believe, as you grow, it happens out there. Out these windows, even though they're shut, it's bright. Out these doors... We tried to open this morning, it'll blind you. So I'm not going to open them up. But it happens out there as you go and live and work and are in a relationship at parties, at your job, as your light. And Jesus says you can be light. Some examples would be, you know, we have a men's group, a great men's group, open to anybody, meets here 6.30, as I say here, in these doors back here, 6.30 every Tuesday morning. And they've done this some, and I'd love to see it grow. Like, after the men's group, what if the men said, hey, we're going to commit to going to one of these places right around here for breakfast. Let's say Whole Foods. And we're, we're going to go there maybe every week, maybe every other week, maybe uh, once a month. I'd say at least every other week. And really just be there and get to know these people that are hanging around or working there. Because we're right across the street. And we're just going to invest. We're going to live. We're going to grow relationships. We're going to see how we can pray for them and minister to them. That's discipleship. That's being light to the world. Or a women's group, or a women's group, not to leave the women out, but who meet and say, you know, we're going to invest in a mission. His heart downtown is a mission and ministry we've been involved in. And so we're going to join in and every other month or every other week, and go down there and see how we can be involved in that mission and ministry. And so we're going to go. Meet the need, who, uh, or what you may have heard me talk about, the Connect Time. This is a church-wide or anybody-wide ministry where you can just take a meal and give it to a brother or sister or a neighbor or someone who's in need. Take it here at the church and give it. And so if a family here or a group here say, hey, we're going to adopt this street. We're going to adopt this neighborhood. And we're going to love on them as much as we can. Not, again, because it's something we need to do or there's any mechanical in it. It's just that, man, because we know Jesus and he calls us to be light. And this is a small, simple way that we can just go and give and serve and love. We, we are already doing this, actually, globally. Honduras. We've been going to the same place for six years now. Same place, same villages, where a group, 20, 30, 40 of our folks go, and we just go, and we serve, and we love, and we're growing relationships there, and they know us. They know us, hey, that's that church with that weird name, you know, but they're coming in, and we see them every year, and they're building houses, and they're doing vacation Bible school, and they're doing medical ministry, and, you know, and love them. And we're growing that in India, where we'll go to in the fall, going to the same area, same city, ministering to children, and young girls who are rescued from trafficking. 
and going there over and over again so that they'll know us. Doing the same thing, being in relationship. Or in worship. You know, worship is not just about, you're talking about, well, how is worship? It's not just up here singing. We have a studio over there at the house where we are, we want to open that up to other bands to come and record. And they're like, well, you know, why the church, you know, build a recording studio? Well, it's not just for us to record. It's to say, we value your God-given gifts, and we as a church want to be about your God-given gifts or artistry, if that's a word. I don't know. And so we want you to come here and, and record and use our resources uh, to be a blessing. And maybe there's some dude who's wrestling with God or hates the church. We're like, wow, coming to a church to record a song. Never thought that would happen. And it might open a door. We need to be out in the world, ministering in the world. So it's not just about, you know, coming here and gathering here, which is great, but gathering here does not change the world. And Jesus, very specifically, very explicitly, calls his church to change the world. And I don't know about you, but like, I don't do this Christian thing just to, as a routine, or, you know, just I got to check, you know, I want to change the world. I want this church to be part of Jesus' church to change the world. So when you begin thinking like that in your Christian life, then it does become an adventure. It's like, hey, I want more of this, this supernatural power that is the Holy Spirit to transform my life so I can be light. And it changes the way you see your job. So, you know, like, we got a lot of doctors in this church. And what if, I'm going to throw some what ifs out there, and y'all may already be doing this, but what if doctors got together and said, you know, what can we do in our profession to change our world in Jackson, Mississippi? Or maybe change the world globally, but partner together. We have many teachers here from different schools. And what if they got together? It's like, how can we use our gifts and our profession to change the schools here? And it's not about just this school or that school, but like together. We want to change the world for Jesus. Or politicos, who, whom I love, by the way. And, you know, you see politics and news and everything, but the politicos got together and just started, like, meeting together. Like, let's just pray for our leaders and for our government. And then maybe God will open a door to show us a way that we can minister. Yes, politicians can be ministered to, to them. Or entrepreneurs. Or real estate developers. Getting together and saying, Jesus, you are first, and you have gifted me, and you've put me in this profession. And I want to be used for you in the world. And it's not just about growing this building, it's about growing his kingdom out there by teachers, by doctors, by entrepreneurs, by real estate developers, by politicians who put Christ first and are allowing the Holy Spirit to change their life, and he will change your life, and then he'll use you to change the world. That's discipleship. That's what we want to be about. Not a program, not something mechanical, not a to-do list. And I believe that's what Jesus is saying. It starts with the Holy Spirit, receiving Him, inhaling Him, breathing Him, where He transforms us to be light. And the world needs light. So, I'll close with this. Just some questions. Some of these... I. Uh, mentioned last week. What, what is holding you back from taking a risk for Jesus? What is it? When did you say no to God? Was it something simple? Was it a group? 
Was it a mission trip? Was it just going to church on a Sunday morning? Where is God calling you? Where? Is it your neighbor? Is it your job? Is it your school? Oh, and by the way, you, you will meet resistance where God's calling you. Because we do have an enemy. I forgot that, but really the sermon's not about that. But you, we have an enemy. But that doesn't stop us, and it should never stop us. So what is holding you back? What have you given up on too soon? Is it a church? Is it a group? Is it a ministry? Is it a person? Is it a marriage? Jesus said, Matthew 5, 13 and 16, you are, not you can be, you are salt to the earth. He said, verse 14, you are the light of the world, not you can be. And he said, don't hide your light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, and it gives light for all to see. What has God lit up in you that he wants to use you to shine to his creation here? What is it? I can't answer that, but you can. I simply want to put the question. I can't answer one thing for myself. Don't you think if Jesus, our Lord, who we sang about, worshipped, said this, as fact you are, can't we trust him to do it in us? I can't answer that for any of y'all. I can't answer it for me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you didn't call us to be salt and light. You said you are. You are. And I pray that we, in a greater way, would be light to a world in need. But it only happens, it only happens... And I want us to know this, by your Holy Spirit, by his power, changing us, transforming us. So I pray that we would breathe your spirit in worship, in prayer, in time with you, that we would seek you. We would want you more than, than anything else, more than, more than love from people, more than love of peers. We want you in our lives, and you will change us. You will transform us. So I, I do believe that regardless of where people have come from this morning, regardless of the sin, regardless of the brokenness, regardless of the hurt, regardless of maybe how good they think they are, that you can transform us, and we can be your light, not our light, but the light of Christ. And I pray it happen more and more in our lives, in this church life, but not just for here on this corner, but for a world in need. Jesus' name, amen.